So we have an upcoming retreat weekend in intensive, which is a great way to dedicate a little extra time to your practice and connecting with the self. It's a Ganeshbury weekend in, weekend in intensive on the 1st to 3rd of October. Uh, the bookings are open now on satsanglive.com.au for more details. And also, we have a free live satsang coming up. So tell your friends and family on the 16th of October at, at 7.15. That's available to watch online. And also, we have free upward shift meditations on Instagram daily during lockdown from 8.30am Melbourne time with experienced ashram teachers. So thank you. Many years ago, uh, Davey, Ma and I, before we ran ashrams, uh, we ran a magazine. <laughs> before. <laughs> what? That was right. <clears throat> and um, uh, we uh, created the Siddha Path magazine, the magazine of Siddha Yoga. Uh, and we worked on it. And then sometime in the 70s, uh, we got the idea, it might have been David Ma's idea, to do some interviews of old timers. And uh, we, uh, we created... Uh, photos. What's that? Photos. He's got some photos. Ah! <laughs> okay, I forgot one part of this. <clears throat> Wait a second. Before we go on to this part... A little bit more love torture. <laughs> Some images from Davy Ma's life. <laughs> That's uh, Vancouver, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Very serious spiritual seeker already. <laughs> okay, what's next? That was uh, Ann Arbor, no? Well, that was in Vancouver. Yeah, but you're wearing the yeah. drapes. Okay. And then. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. That's nice. That's great. That's a rare shot of you and I. <coughs> that's here in uh, Australia. Oh, yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. That's how you can do a study. Uh, I don't know. Uh, is that it? Okay. Ah. Uh, And? Great. Thank you. <clears throat> so as I was saying, <laughs> so we did the magazine together and um, uh, we had the idea of doing these uh, interviews, but we weren't in India. Baba was in India. So we had uh, a person there do these interviews. I think it was uh, Peggy Bendet, Mahananda, yeah. And so one of the gems that, that were created was a, an interview with Babu Rao. Um, and that's what I'm going to share tonight in honor of Davy Ma's birthday. Babu Rao met Baba uh, when both of them were young men. Uh, and uh, Babu served as his personal attendant during Baba's sadhana years in Yola, in Maharashtra. After Baba had come up from the south, 
He lived in a town in central Maharashtra called Yaura. Uh, and it's Baba Rao who Baba mentions uh, in his book, Play of Consciousness, as the attendant who was present there during many of his uh, Shaktipat experiences later on. Uh, Baba Rao later joined Baba in Ganeshpur in the late 60s. And while I was there, he was a uh, very prominent figure, always playing the harmonium and the chants. Uh, and he lived out the rest of his life, basically, in the ashram. And this interview, uh, more than any particular single document that I know of, uh, gives the flavor of Baba's uh, early years. And I want to share, uh, I mentioned this to an old-timer recently, uh, a fellow named Lowell Bloom from uh, the New York Ashram. Uh, and he wrote me a reminiscence of Babu Rao, which I think gives a flavor of the man. Uh, Lowell writes, in 1990, I was driver in the transportation department of the South Fallsburg Ashram. One day they told me to pick up Babu Rao, who was spending the summer uh, in the ashram, and take him into town to the drugstore so he could get a bottle of Pepto-Bismol for his cold. Do you have, do you have Pepto-Bismol here? No, that's not very old. That's exactly the point of the story. <laughs> Pepto-Bismol, that's a very, uh, what is it for? Indigestion. For indigestion. Indigestion. Anyway, Lowell says, I reminded my supervisor that you don't take Pepto-Bismol for a cold. He said that many years ago, Baba Rao told Baba, that he had a bad cold, and Baba told him to have a swig of Pepto-Bismol. Immediately after swallowing the Pepto-Bismol, the cold disappeared. <laughs> and since then, the only thing Baba Rao would take was Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try it. <clears throat> I told my supervisor that Babu didn't have to come with me. This was in Fallsburg. I could get the Pepto-Bismol and bring it to him. He said he, he, he likes to take drives, so he went with him. So there we were, me at the wheel and Babu sitting shotgun, except I had the feeling that no one was there. I kept looking his way just to make sure someone was actually there. The words formed in my mind, the incredible lightness of being. Um, Babu Rao, it's, it's a good characterization. And I thought, I've seen a video of Babu Rao somewhere, and I remember there was a little snippet of him from uh, Indian, uh, the Italian video in, of 1972. So this is about 10, 20 seconds or something. And uh, you can take a look at Babu Rao. He always played the harmonium, that's what. This is the chant in the Nityananda temple, Ganeshwari Baba comes in, another old song, there's Babu Rao. This is, uh, this is uh, it's a long, very long interview, so I summarized some parts of it. Baba came to Yola in 1934 or 5, 
similar time than Bhagwan Nityananda came up from the south to Ganeshpuri. Um, he had a, a patron in Yola named Abhaji, and he'd visit him. And Baba Rao says, Abhaji was fond of sadhus. Sadhus means holy men, holy, uh, saints and yogis. And many used to visit him. They all used to come and go, but Babaji was the most frequent. Even then, Baba showed his brilliance, his luster. Everyone could see that he was special. He had more light than the others. His faith was something you could not shake. He had faith in God and in himself too. All those years, we watched him moving ahead, step by step, always the same person, but moving upwards. The steps followed one another, the stages of his greatness. So Baba Rao could see that Baba was a great yogi moving forward. Uh, he met him uh, in third, 1936 when he was 18 or 19. Uh, so he describes that. He says, uh, Baba was sitting inside the Hanuman temple. It's a small temple, and I sat down next to him on the floor. First, he asked me what my trade was, even as he now asked each man his profession. I was a weaver. I used to weave brocade saris. Our town of Yola was famous for its weaving. They make saris there in, in, in Yola. Then he asked me, do you sing bhajans? He could test a man and sense the color of his disposition and know his intentions. <clears throat> so then Baba Rao sang for Baba, and Baba liked it, and Baba told him, come back. Uh, and soon he was visiting him every day. And Baba Rao said that at the time, an astrologer examined Baba's hands and feet to see if there were auspicious signs. And he said, Baba, you're a great yogi. Even if you try to go and sit in the jungle, your destiny will come running after you. And there's, no, and there's one more thing. This is very interesting. Your hands have the golden touch. Whatever you touch will take on great value, will become like gold. So we've all received his touch, that golden touch. Uh, I can see this clearly. You might, must be aware of it also. <clears throat> and then at that period, Baba, he'd been dabbling in the occult, Baba Rao. Baba told him, give that up and just worship God and sing his praises. A question, this is from Mahananda. What were Baba's interests at that time? Baba Rao says, during this time, Baba was busy searching out. He was seeking something. He was interested in, in those days in how was this saint and how was that saint, and how should he be himself. It was his intention to become great. So he'd go visit, he'd hear of a saint, he'd go visit him, check him out. Near Yola, there were many temples and sacred sites, and Baba used to go out to these places of pilgrimage and perform anushtan, <clears throat> the repetition of a mantra a specific number of times when you set yourself 100,000 million mantras, whatever it is. So he'd go and set a certain number of mantras and say them there to experience their greatness of the, of the place or the saint, to test for himself the efficacy of those deities, saints, and shrines. Always after some days, he'd return to Abhaji's house. So he went there with the purpose of tasting the shakti of each place to see you know, if it was authentic. And then we'd do the mantra and taste it. Uh, at that time, he was collecting poems by the saints. He always loved, I've seen his, his handwritten copies of, of poems of the poet saints, and he used to take them into the program and just sing one and then explicate it. 
Question, did you do a lot of chanting in those days? Uh, Barbara says, other boys like me came and we sang. We sang many dunes, we boys, and we learned some stotras. These are longer forms of uh, prayers. Verses from Vishnu Sahasranam, Chandipat, and Bhagavad Gita. And Baba has continued the Gita to this day. I continue to recite it every day, every morning in the temple. That's very interesting. It's a little subtlety. Um, when I got to the ashram, we did the, Guru, the Bhagavad Gita every morning. And that ended uh, about a year later. And the Guru Gita was put in that slot. So what he's saying here is that, that Baba didn't discontinue the Bhagavad Gita, that he had him do it every day. So the whole group wasn't doing it, but Baba Rao. And it, got, it gave me a feeling, Baba has so much respect for these great texts. And the Bhagavad Gita is uh, the major text of uh, Indian spirituality that it would be insulting just to cut it off. So he wanted Baba Rao to continue that tradition. Uh, he had great respect for the traditions and the, the writings and teachings of the great sages. Uh, Baba Rao says, in between, the little boys came and gathered too. In the evening, they would come for bhajans of chanting. The little boys would sit on one side and the grown-ups on the other. And Baba would sit between holding a switch that's not, a, that's not a light switch, it's a stick. Not that they were ever naughty, but perhaps this was because the switch was there. Baba later would carry a little stick around and called it the Chota Guru, little guru. <laughs> and um, I've seen him use it too. But in this day and age, we don't discuss that. <clears throat> and they would sing, they would sing the Hari Ram chant for about an hour, then sit to eat prasad. So they chant and then be fed. Um, each day by turn, one of the boys would bring the prasad for all of us from his home. Sira, sweet pudding, as we make it for the Satyanarayan puja. Uh, <clears throat> he continued that later, too. In a place nearby called Borki, there was a garden where a sadhu stayed near a grove of huge holy trees, Pipal, Banyan, and Bilva, all grown up together with a big platform. One day during the month of Shravan, and Shravan is, uh, we're past Shravan, July, August, during the rainy season. <clears throat> we went there daily with Baba. 10 or 15 of us used to bathe in the well there and then sit to recite, sitting on all four sides of the tree with Babaji. We used to chant and then go back. Our daily program for a whole month was like that. Then another year in the town, during the month of Shravan, we used to chant Hari Ram every morning. We always sat in two lines. Sometimes there were as many as 50 of us, and Babaji would sit at the head. Then with Baba leading, we would form a procession, singing all around the outskirts of the town, just as you go around the temples, circumambulating the deity. So this is in Yoa. And uh, this is what we do here in Mavaliza. Um, <laughs> every week, <laughs> in my dreams. Not really. They do that in Ganeshpuri, though, every Thursday. It's great. In the evening, Baba took his ektar, a uh, one-stringed instrument like, like uh, Nataraj has there, uh, and sang. And we sang 
Om Namah Shivaya. Our tune was similar then, so the way we chanted. And all the other bhajans. I loved all the dunes from the beginning. None of them ever seemed new or strange to me. We sang and Baba taught the rhythm, how to sing peacefully and not rush ahead, not to sing too fast. After we finished chanting, we sat quietly for a few minutes. He made us close our eyes and sit there. He's always a disciplinarian, Baba. He did not allow us to get right up and rush away like some people do after a chant. After Baba himself got up and began to move around, we would get up and leave quietly. Question, did you play harmonium even then? <clears throat> and uh, he said, Baba Rao says, at that time I bought a small harmonium. It was not very good and I tried to play following the singing. I was just learning the harmonium then and I made mistakes. The boys would laugh and I wanted to give it all up. But Babaji encouraged me saying, go on trying, you will learn. Everyone will sing after you. Does a child know how to eat? First we have to feed it and then it learns. Go on practicing. He was very strict and wanted us to begin everything in the correct manner as though he could see ahead. So I went on trying to learn to play the harmonium. Soon Baba bought a harmonium from Chaliskaun. Chaliskaun is another town in Maharashtra where Baba stayed. It was a haunted house in Chaliskaun that Baba stayed in. Everyone was afraid to go in there, but Baba stayed in there. And uh, Bhagwan Nityananda supposedly said he's kicked the ghost out of the haunted house. <laughs> I don't know. He says, that worked better when we started on the Mira bhajans and the Tulsidas bhajans. We used to find a bhajan that was full of meaning and feeling. He would find the bhajan full of meaning and feeling, full of rasa, full of rasa, and give it to me saying, sing this. Our company of bhajan singers grew. Once Baba bought a flute and another time a banjo. We boys would try to play and he would go on encouraging us saying, you learn by trying. Then Babaji went to Bombay and bought, and this is the, the most beautiful story, and bought a big harmonium, a pair of tablas, those are the Indian drums, and a big tambora with a good tone. Tambora is the drone instrument, beautiful gourd we play here. Uh, he arrived late by the night train. He came and pounded on my door. And Yola is about 200 kilometers from Ganeshpur, so it's a similar distance from Bombay. Pounded on my door. I was afraid. I thought a thief had come in the middle of the night when he called me, Babu, Babu. I understood who'd come. Come on, open your door. I brought you great things. Come and see. I opened the door. It must have been past one at night. And he was standing there with a huge tambora in his hand. <laughs> open the trunk, he said. See what's in the trunk. Babaji, I said, it's one o'clock at night. Open it up, he insisted. Take it out and play it. <laughs> so I opened the box and took it out. It was what we used to call a Paris harmonium. I've never forgotten that phrase, a Paris harmonium. We have a Paris harmonium. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe they used to come from France in those days. It was a high-class harmonium with a beautiful tone. He told me how on the train, on the train back from Bombay, God had sent a harmonium player and a bhajan singer to sit in the compartment with him and how they all sang all the way from Bombay. <laughs> That's divine. Uh, question. 
We've heard that Baba loved to hold saptas in those days. These are the long chants, seven-day chants. Uh, Baba, uh, Baba Rao says, in those days we had a great many saptas. We used to dance, clang metal sticks, really dance. Babaji himself became very intoxicated. And the bhajans were like those in Gokul itself, back when Lord Krishna was dancing. They were the, these are like the, the dancing saptas we had in Ganeshpuri, and we have here. One year, Babaji did the recitation of the entire Yaneshwari for a year, holding the recitation each evening. You know, we did that in the men's dorm. This, we didn't know about that, but we did. We read the whole of the Yaneshwar. Yaneshwar, a uh, great medieval saint, wrote a commentary on the Bhagavad Gita, very long. And in the men's dorm, uh, we read little bits every night till we finished the whole book. It was a very charming way to end the night. And then he says, during the festival in Shravan, he held the Purnahuti, the finale, by having a seven-day sapta. Purnahuti is the end of a, a chant. To include the sapta, a great feast was held. Everyone brought things, whatever they could, tins of oil and ghee, sacks of grain, dal and sugar. At night, Baba supervised the cooking of what each one bought. All night the cooking went on, and all night Babaji was awake directing the cooking. He was always loved to cook, and he was a great cook. It was raining, but he was moving everywhere in the darkness, arranging everything. The next day, as the time for eating approached, some of the people began to get nervous. There was rationing in those days, and this was during the British rule. It might even have been during the war, so the rationing. What if the sobs come? We might all get arrested. If the British come, they arrest them all for eating. They were really worried. Baba asked what they were worried about, and they explained to him they might not be allowed to eat all this food. They said, what if the administrators come? What will we do? We might even get arrested. If that happens, Babaji said, just tell them I've done it all. Whatever will happen will happen. And they all agreed putting out the food. The word had gotten around to all the villages, so everyone came to eat. The streets were lined with rows of people eating. First they sang the Annapurna Stotram, the, the hymn to the deity of food. Then they all began to eat. The officials had heard of the celebration, too. And they came and stood on a balcony above the road watching. Babaji just went on with the celebration. What assurance he had. He never knew fear. The officials just watched for a while and then went away. So many people came and ate, and still there was food left over, so the next day we fed them again. Baba always approved of feeding people and liked to give alms. On festival days, he would convert a big banknote into small change and distribute the change to all the boys. We, he enjoyed doing these things and playing with the boys to their delight. <clears throat> Enjoying this? One winter solstice, we held a Satchinarayan puja and sang bhajans all night. That's a puja to Lord Vishnu, to the blessings and so on. After the puja, he used to feed the whole bhajan mandal, the chanting group. He used to call three or four other bhajan mandals to keep the singing going all night. And he used to feed them all too, so keep it going. You've finished your stint, you do it. In this way, he did a lot to encourage and promote the singing of bhajans in our area. Once during the war, which is World War II, uh, 
we held the Vishva Shanti Sapta to bring peace to the whole world. Vishva is world and Shanti is peace, so world peace. It was a very hard time. People were being killed everywhere and everything had become very dear and scarce. Uh, but even then, it was not necessary to ask for anything. People came forward on their own and brought all that was necessary for the celebration. People come from all the surrounding areas to celebrate. The Sapta was held in the Namdev Mandir in the street of the tailors. It was a standing Sapta to the dune of Hari Ram. Standing Sapta means a dancing Sapta, what we call dancing. And uh, so, you know, Baba was doing the same things that he did in the Ganeshpuri Ashram. I'm seeing years before organizing chanting and loving long chants and dancing chants. It went on for eight days, a full seven days of chanting with the feast on the eighth day. There were great crowds of people. The greatest rush was in the evening uh, at four or five and again in the early morning before the people of our town had to go to work. The women also sang at night when they were free of housework. <clears throat> and during those days, Baba kept an Om Namah Shivaya chant going. People would come to his place for darshan and they would chant. And when they left, he would say to the others, now you continue. Uh, so that, that at that time, he didn't allow any talking, only the Om Namah Shivaya dun. Uh, Baba says, many people came for satsang, including many pundits, uh, who came with the idea that they had superior understanding. The pundits are like uh, spiritual professors, theologians, and they've studied all the scriptures and they quote all the verses. They don't necessarily have the experience, but they, they have the, the knowledge. Uh, so <clears throat> Baba was already versed in the scriptures before he came to us, and by then he also knew the Yaneshwari and Marathi poetry. So he learned Marathi, and he learned all, because there's an incredible rich tradition of poetry and, and scriptural stuff in Maharashtra. <clears throat> he refuted the proud scholars and all their arguments and reduced their pride. <laughs> Beat them at debate. <coughs> and this is what's really charming. At night, after they all left, I would roll out Baba's bedding for him and, and sit for a while massaging his feet. So, Babu, he would say, what's the use of their pride? I don't like to hurt their feelings, but if I don't say anything, when will they begin to understand? <clears throat> so then uh, Baba Rao reports that after a time, Baba moved to a hut in Suki uh, to do his sadhana. A man named Sopan Rao offered Baba the hut for meditation. He had about 18 acres of land with many mango trees. We have, uh, this is the original hut. It's like, what is it? Made of straw, what is it? Yeah, Twi made of, uh, made of uh, tea tree. <laughs> Looks like. And uh, the man sitting to the right is Baba Rao. Oh. <clears throat> and Baba, of course, with his ektar. And that was his hut where he did his sadhana. Then uh, uh, the, his host uh, remade it in a, in a more substantial way. And this is what it looked like later. So there's Baba sitting there. It's a real substantial. And then just uh, to round that out, uh, 
a shot from a little later in Ganeshpuri. There's Baba, and the Babu Rao's standing in the back. And if you've read my book, Babu Shetty is uh, the white-haired gentleman on the left. So they were there in the earliest, this is the earliest days of the Ganeshpur ashram. You wouldn't recognize any of those scenes from, from the ashram now, but in the early days. <clears throat> so since um, Suki was only three miles from Yola, Baba Rao and the other boys came out to visit uh, Baba every day, and the satsangs and bhajans continued. During this period, Baba continued to take trips to meet various saints. And uh, Baba sent me and my parents to Yola as part of our pilgrimage. Went to Yola and then we, we took a, 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 a rickshaw out to uh, Suki. So we saw that hut. <clears throat> Baba Rao continues. On one of those trips of his, he went to Vedrashwari and met Bhagwan Nityananda and received the initiation he's written about in Chitshakti Vilas. There was a great change after that meeting with his guru. His attention turned in. The bhajans went on, people came, but he'd sit silently. He would speak on occasion, but less than before. When we sang the, the dune Narayana Jaya Govinda Hare to a very slow, quiet tune, he would sometimes join in. He was indrawn. His sadhana had really begun. I couldn't understand the change. This is what Baba's told him. In this sadhana, he would try say to me, you sometimes attain samadhi quickly and you are gone. And this, the, Baba just gotten Shaktipat. So this was the, the sadhana of Shaktipat. This is what Baba said. If it happens to me, if I die, make my samadhi shrine here. You take care of it. Sing bhajans there all the time. Go into town for alms, then stay here and sing. Now, how would that impact poor Baba Rao, simple uh, village guy who adored Baba? Baba Rao says, Hearing this, I was frightened. I wasn't mature enough to understand, even though I must have been over 30 at the time. And uh, so I, I pulled... Um, something from play of consciousness here. Uh, <clears throat> Baba, about the intensity of Baba's sadhana, when Baba had some very uh, difficult experiences and got scared, ran away, all that. Baba writes at one point, I became more and more frightened. I went outside full of confusion and anguish. He was having all kinds of strange visions and so on. By now it was about eight o'clock at night. There was moonlight, but to me everything seemed dark. Far away in the distance there were strange noises. My mind was sick with fear. I called Babu Rao and said to him, Babu, go home now. The rhythm of my heart and the state of my mind are not good. I feel sure that I'm going to die tonight of heart failure. So go, or people will harass you. Don't think I, sh I don't think I shall live through this night, and if I do, it will be to go mad. I'm losing my mind. Do what I say. Go away. He left me with a sad heart. Imagine that. So Baba was like right at the edge. And the next morning, Baba Rao came back. And Baba said, I sat quietly on the swing. Babu came early that morning. 
As he approached, I saw that he was smiling. He was very relieved to see that I was all right, neither dead nor insane. He bowed and sat down opposite me. Babu asked, how are you? You said you would either die or go mad. I prayed to God that neither of these things would happen. I was sure they wouldn't. I answered, what wouldn't happen? Death did come last night. The whole world was on fire. The earth was covered with water. I alone narrowly escaped. Babu, I'm in a terrible state. I have gone completely insane. You may not be able to see it from outside, but inside I'm crazy. <laughs> Babu brought out the tambora and began to sing some verses, which helped, helped Babu calm him down. Babu sang, remember yourself and then attain the self. Be free from birth and death. Don't be tormented by suffering. The self is God, Paramatman. Find peace in the self. This is your main task. Don't be attached to the body. So he helped him there. <clears throat> Baba Rao goes on. His sadhana went on. Sometimes I went to work. But my work as a weaver was independent. I could always put Baba's needs first. Even if I did go to work, I would come back to his hut at night. I slept outside his kutir every night. Sometimes I would hear frightening sounds of Baba's voice coming from inside at night. His sadhana was so intense. It's all in Play of Consciousness. If you haven't read Play of Consciousness, you have to read that. Now you can understand from Baba Rao's point of view. He used to suffer very severe headaches at the time, but no medicine uh, could help. It was due to his sadhana. He used to eat very little in those days, a little curd and buttermilk and occasionally a chapati. <clears throat> and then, uh, I'm skipping over a little bit of this. had sort of prophetic dreams of uh, yagnas, and Baba said, there will be yagnas. And uh, Baba Rao says, I always used to tell Baba all my dreams. What to do, he'd say, the astrologers predict Raj Yoga. It means king-like yoga. What can be done about destiny? Whatever is to happen will happen. Then Bhagwan Nityananda sent for him, and he left for Ganeshpuri. Bhagwan Nityananda gave him the rooms and the land in, in where the ashram is now and told him to stay there. So he moved from Yola to Ganeshpuri and you saw the scene of him with Baba Rao and Babu Shetty there. That was the early days. Soon Baba wrote asking me to visit Ganeshpuri every now and then. There were only three rooms then uh, on this barren, barren land near the road and the villagers used to pass behind them on their way to the well, walking through what is now the lower garden. So it wasn't really, it wasn't fenced or anything. He used to tell me that there would be a town here one day, but I said, who will come to die here in this jungle? <laughs> <clears throat> Baba planted trees and laid out a garden. Sometimes the people who came for darshan would help with the watering. But mostly it was Baba himself who carried the watering tins. I came as often as I could. Sometimes it was difficult for me as my family didn't want me to leave. I remember how hard I tried to get here at the time of Baba's 60th birthday. One person promised me that we would go together but left me behind. Then another group agreed to take me, even to pay my fare, but they took a different train. And again, I was left behind. I was stranded. 
I just sat there and cried. I didn't feel like going home, so I went out to Suki, to the hut, Baba's hut. As I was unrolling my bedding that night, I spoke with Baba inside, saying, I tried so hard to come to you. I told him how bad I felt. <clears throat> he did hit bodhidut. In my dream, Baba came to talk with me as he used to in the old days. He chatted with me about everything until I was completely satisfied. I woke up feeling contented and thought, those people haven't even reached Ganeshpur yet, but Baba has given me darshan right here. His blessing is truly with me. At home, my people were afraid whenever I went to Ganeshpur that I'd stay there, which, of course, is a good reason, because he did stay there. So they made it difficult for me to go. The next time I went, I had to leave my things behind, but stayed on after my friends left, and Baba gave me new clothes. He gave him orange clothes. He always wore Swami's clothes. He never took formal sannyas, but he, he was in the garb of that. For several years, Baba discouraged me every time I wanted to make a visit home. He kept me in the ashram until my attachment was broken. When I finally did make a, a visit, I was worried what they would say about my saffron clothes that Baba had given me. <clears throat> when I came back to the ashram, Baba asked, what did they say at home, Babu? What did they say, Baba? I answered, they touched my feet. Mm -hmm. Baba laughed when he heard that. One day, the ashram was, one day in the ashram, Baba was sitting under the tree, and he called me aside. He said, close your eyes. What do you see? Nothing, Baba. He waited a few moments and asked again, don't you see something? Yes, Baba, I answered. I see some sort of sparkling point. What color, he asked. Blue, peacock blue. It moves around. It does not remain stable. Concentrate on that, he said. You have to practice. So, of course, that's what Baba called the Nila Bindu, the blue pearl. <clears throat> because of this experience, I had a beautiful dream in which I saw a great mountain. High on the mountain, there was a temple, and outside the temple, a mandap had been erected for music. A mandap is like a, what's a mandap like? A structure, an open structure. <clears throat> Uh, I was there dancing and singing, Narayana, Narayana. I loved that dune from the beginning. Such bliss came to me that I awoke thinking, how can there be so much bliss? Oh God, I thought, how can you show us such bliss and br then bring us back to this pain? Sometimes Baba reminded me of all the old predictions and of my dreams. Well, Babu, he would say, is everything happening? Yes, Baba, I would answer. Everything is happening. How's that? <clears throat> so let's meditate. And uh, also digging in uh, our archives, we found uh, the Narayana chant by Babu Rao himself. So, so let's listen to that for a few minutes and then we'll meditate for 10 minutes, maybe five minutes of this, and then we'll meditate.